Welcome to the Be Transformed podcast. I am Adam Lavecki, and I am here with DK Kim and we are your hosts. Thank you for joining us. We are in this space to help you renew your mind and transform your life. We will be having helpful, honest, and hard conversations about culture and the kingdom of God. These conversations will help you to not be conformed to this current culture and will help you to grow in Christ. Jesus commanded us to preach the gospel and make disciples. This is an ongoing digital discipleship discussion. If you find this helpful, please subscribe, review, and share the Be Transformed podcast. Episode 5, The Supremacy of Jesus. Welcome to Episode 5 of the Be Transformed podcast. We have a very special guest, Pastor David Greco of Kingsgate Church. And so we're really excited to have you with us today. And thanks for being with us. So over the last, I would say, year roughly almost. Yes. Almost every time we get together. Yes. Uh, we've been dialoguing, and it's really been in your heart, this idea of the supremacy of Jesus Christ. And yes. so the central message of the kingdom of God is the supremacy of Christ. Yes. And so this has been revealed to you in a fresh way. This has been something that's kind of been on your heart. So when did this start with you and kind of share what this means? Okay. Uh, it's it, it started many years ago, I would say uh, 30-some years ago. Um, but, you know, when truth um, is, you receive truth, uh, you receive truth according to your spiritual maturity. And so you can receive a portion of a truth, and uh, but not the whole idea, the whole concept. Um, and so I started like a f- 30 some years ago uh, with this. Um, I, I, I was just reading and studying uh, the writings of a, some men that wrote about this and that lived it. And uh, that really uh, opened my heart to, to, to see Jesus in a new way and to desire every day to know him more. Okay, mm-hmm. to know him more. Can I yes. ask you a quick question? Sure. So if any of our listeners or learners in the sense that they really want to eat and devour, who are some of the people that you read that helped uh, this journey with the supremacy of Christ? Sure. Um, well, the person that, that that affected me the most has been, um, and still today, uh, T. Austin Sparks and his student. I don't know if you know, but he had a student. Uh, he was there for one year. Watchman Nee. Yes, he was. Uh, he was in the uh, in his school in London, and of course he was there for a year, and then he went back to China, and uh, he was put in jail, and he died after twenty years in jail. Uh, but those two men have uh, touched my heart and and even my mind, my my understanding. Uh, to be able to 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 um, live daily with a hunger to know Jesus more, I mean, this is to know Jesus is never a complete project because it's a, it's a bottomless well of revelation, you know. And so uh, that started, uh, but it but but it 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 almost jolted my heart. But then, ever since then, I have been on a journey. Uh, to know more and more. And then uh, when the pandemic hit, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, April, March, April of 2020, uh, all of a sudden, uh, everything that we knew, like church and activities and programs and people, and everything fell apart. I mean, we had to, we had to stay home and we had to do this. You know, we, we had to use uh, social media and so then that, that was a critical uh, time because it was like almost, and now God, what do we do? I mean, this is a church. The, the, these are people. This is the body of Christ. Uh, we, we fellowship and we grow and, and we develop together. And what do we do? We're not together and, you know, we can't get together. So 
that forces you, not forces you, but that leads you into like uh, saying, what about this now? What is the essence of this? Yeah, I think that crisis, yeah. if we let it work its purpose, it brings us closer to the Lord and also to those who are pursuing the Lord. Because I, I felt like during the whole pandemic, it really solidified our pursuit of the Lord. It also showed who was with you and how much they were with you. Yep. But it also brought you closer to those who were trying to walk through this time of uncertainty, especially in the beginning, with obedience. Like, what does this look like to be faithful to the Lord in this context? And so in this in this context, so now you're pressing in, you're probably having more time at home, more time reading, more time in the scripture. And so yeah, this... Yeah, I'm more time praying and f- and, 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 f- and and having fellowship with a few men that were going through the same thing, mm. same process. And for the la- for the first year or so, for the- no more, for the first eighteen months, uh, we prayed every night um, on WhatsApp, <laughs> and um, we we not only prayed but we uh, received we received encouragement, we received. Um, a revelation we received guidance uh we got to understand what was going on it, it it didn't come in one shot it didn't come in one night or a week it just took a while you know yeah T- to me what's really interesting mm-hmm. about this this part of the journey is that what's happening is the world is trying to isolate us yet kingdom folks are pressing closer yep. to the lord and each other Yep. Spiritual warfare is always in the opposite spirit of what is happening in the world. Mm-hmm. So that 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 to me is interesting because now you're pressing the Lord, but also you're pressing together with people mm-hmm. that outside of this context you would not be praying with them. Yes. Every day. Yes. For eighteen months. Yep. So that that's interesting. And in them, and at, at the same time, then, um, as uh, as we, I was receiving confirmation on on about about um, making making my life and my message and my uh, emphasis on what it means to be a Christian. It means to be, what it means is that we follow him. And to follow Jesus, I, I'd like to then get into what it means to follow Jesus. Because to follow Jesus does not mean that you just believe in who Jesus is and that you're just, Accept his gift of salvation. Uh, If you do that, you're a believer. Because a believer believes. A disciple follows. And what does it mean to follow? And I'm just gonna, you know, define it, you know, right at the at the outset. To follow Jesus is to live (laughs) the life that he lived. Uh, to live the life, to, to follow his example, to do what he did, to live as he did, uh, because he's definitely our guide. Um, and so, like, if you want to, uh, if you want to go somewhere, you need a map. And today, we need a GPS. Mm-hmm. If you don't know where you're going, but the thing about the GPS or a map is like you have to know where where to start. Yes. Right, so you, you you have to you have to see yourself how you are, and then this is what we want to go, and 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 so my guide, my prototype, is Jesus, and um, there is a there is an aspect of Jesus. There's you know it's Jesus, right? Um, uh, there's an aspect of Jesus. There's a revelation of Jesus. Jesus as the son, the son of man, not the son of God, the son of man. And um, like this, the the title "son of man" uh, is like repeated a whole lot in in the Gospels. Ben and Adam, right? The son of Adam, right? So, so he's saying like, listen, I'm the son of God. But I'm the son of man. And why? Because he had to be, be made just like us in order for him to be a faithful high priest, like a faithful intercessor. He had to be made mm-hmm. like us. 
Yeah. What's really fascinating is that when he relates to himself and he speaks in the third person, yes. he's always calling himself yes, son of, son of man. Yeah. And which, so, yeah. Which in Hebrew, it's Ben Adam. Yes, Ben Adam. Yeah, yes. Yeah. No, it's the son of man. Adam. Yep. Uh, and it's, it's very interesting because um, Adam had two sons, Cain and Abel. And Cain lived according to his own selfish desires. Abel, you know, we, we, we really like sometimes glorify a little bit, glorify him. But, but Abel, the blood of Abel cried out for vengeance. He wanted vengeance. He wanted justice. Okay. Uh, but the blood of Jesus, you know, speaks better than the blood of Abel. The blood of Jesus Christ for mercy and grace. And so here's the son of man, right? My example, my prototype, the one that I have to, I have to, in my life, I have to, he has to be the center and supreme in my life right now, the son of man. One day I'll see the son of God, you know, one day. But I, think about it. We can't really relate to the son of God because if you read the book of Revelation, you'll see the son of God. You'll see all the throne and, 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 and you know, like the light and all of that. I can relate to the son of man. No, he was the son of God, the son of man at the same time. I mean, he had the two yeah. natures. But as far as we are concerned, the one that needs to be like the focus and uh, the, the guide has to be the son of man and everything. For example, for example, uh, in the, the Old Testament, right? The, the Jewish people knew very well what that meant, by the way. Because in the Old Testament, um, God speaks to Ezekiel and he goes like son of man, son of man. will these bones live yeah. and so he's talking about a human to a human however in Daniel Daniel has a vision and he sees someone that is coming on the clouds <laughs> in the clouds like the son of man and that that son of man approached the ancient of days and he was given you know authority authority and power over all nations and all languages, and his kingdom will never, okay, will never go away. So you, you see like the son of God, but then now you see the son of man. And here's the son of man, all right? The son of man um, acted like, uh, okay, uh, there's so many examples, but like the man that was brought through the roof, for example, right? Mm -hmm. Remember, he was a paralytic. Mark 2. Right. And so now, now, um, you know, he looks at him, the, 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 the man and he goes like, take heart, be, 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 uh, be uh, encouraged, my son, he calls him my son, son. right? And, um, and so when, when, um, when, when, uh, but he has, he didn't heal him. He says, be encouraged, my son. Your sins are forgiven. So who's talking there? You see, you, you see the son of man who, who has compassion. You see the son of God who has authority. Because only God can forgive sins, right? So he acted on those two different modes. And, um, and so he, this is our guide. This is our guide. And so if, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll just share a little bit about what he said, what the Son of Man said. And then at the end, I want to talk about our nature. You know, um, when, when, when the Son of Man, what is the map? What is the guidance? What, 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 what is it that we, we ought to live like? Because he did. He, he lived a life as the son of God, as the son of man. So what does that mean to me? Well, you know, this is the old fashioned message, guys. This, this message doesn't change. Old school. Old school, new school. This message will be, if, you know, if we're still here a hundred years from now, there will be, that we'll be talking about this same thing. And he said this, right? The son of man. He goes, if you want to follow me, in other words, if you want to follow, that means I'm your leader. I'm your example. I'm your prototype. 
you need to follow me, right? If you're going to follow me, right? He says a couple of things. First of all, he said, deny yourself. Then he said, carry your cross, not the cross, your cross. Mm -hmm. And then he says, like, and then follow me. So um, this is my map now. This is how I live. This is how I live and I follow Jesus. And I know it sounds like old school because you know what? Today people will 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 come to church and will fellowship with other Christians and they're happy to be uh, uh, to, to get together. They're happy to sing. They're happy to worship. They're happy and even, you know, they're happy to do stuff. But then once you start talking about dying to self and like, Mm-hmm. <laughs> denying yourself and dying to self and serving others, they go like, uh, people go like, what? I didn't sign up for that. I didn't sign up for that. <laughs> I just signed up for like, Jesus, you know. the life coach. Yeah. 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 So I think that it's important just in simplistic terms yes. for us to remember that God wanted us to see what he's like so bad he put on skin. And so the mystery of our faith is very simple in that God uh, became a man. It wasn't man became God. It was God okay. became a man. He yes. humbled himself yes. and he condescended. And so it goes against everything within our nature because our nature is like bigger, okay. better, more, faster. It, it, our nature is I, me, mine. Yes. And, 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 and here's, if you... Okay, here's the gospel, all right? The gospel is this. In, the, uh, uh, in God said, let us create man in our image and in our own likeness. Now, today, I tell you what. <laughs> it's, it's a, it, the word image is a very simple word. It's the word icon. Icon. All right. Well, what is icon? No, wait, let me, let me explain. Icon is on your phone, is on your computer. Anybody that has a, a smartphone, if you open up the screen, there's icons. Now, what happens is when you push the, touch the icon, guess what comes out? The program. Okay, when, when, when God said, let us create man <laughs> in our own icon, that meant Hey, anytime you touch a man, I should come out. Yep. Gosh, God comes out. Yep. God will manifest his yep. love, his, his righteousness, his kindness, his holiness. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. I am an icon. You touch me, God is supposed to show up. Yeah. Just like I touch my phone and then I get like, yeah. okay. And it's in real life too. When you squeeze someone, you see what's inside. Well, that's an icon <laughs> right there. Let's talk about 21st century, right? <laughs> Because most people can understand what that little, those little images on, the, on your phone are, icons. You touch that thing and bam, you get this, this, this process, right? But the thing is that sin, right? Mm-hmm. Sin twisted the icon. So when you touch the icon, this is gospel, by the way. When you touch the icon, not, God didn't manifest. It manifests. It, it was a little bit of God, a whole lot of I, me, and mine, selfishness, and independence from God. But now Jesus comes, right? And guess what? The Bible says that he is the image. Express image of his person. Of, but of the invisible God. Yep. He's an icon too. So he's the really perfect icon of the invisible God. So now if you touched him, what do you get? The Father. If you've yes. seen me, that's it. You've seen the Father. He's the icon. Which is really interesting because when he's on the earth as the Son of Man, he is the Father's will, word, desires yep. manifested in the flesh. Yeah. But here's the thing: if you look at him in eternity, this is the thing. When you when you take the Ancient of Days and you match him up to Daniel 10 and Revelation 1, when Jesus said, If you've seen me, you've seen the Father, he's talking about not only in timeless eternity, but in time and space. Yes. I am exactly what yes. the Father is like, what he's doing. I came to demonstrate and manifest him. And it's really interesting how Jesus has a perfect will, yet he didn't come to do his will. No, that's right. So it's 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 so much. Well, you know, you guys want to know, let's look at the icon, right? The yep. icon, Jesus, the icon. You touch him, 
the invisible God is manifested. Okay, so this is the icon. So he's having um, Passover dinner with his disciples, including Judas. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, um, and so he gets up, he takes a towel, wraps it around his waist, gets a, a water container and washes their feet. All of them, including Judas, right? And then he says, listen, I, I'm the Lord and I'm your teacher. If I wash your feet, you should wash each other's feet, right? Yeah. Okay, that's the icon of God. So now the Bible tells me that I am an icon of Jesus. <laughs> so that means that if I touch you, if I stick my finger in you right there, like an icon on your phone or your computer, touch screen, right? Mm. Jesus should be manifested. Yeah. And how is it manifested? How? He said it. Deny yourself, carry your cross, and follow me. So, you know, the, the most practical way that we can deny ourselves, deny myself, is to serve you. Because when I'm serving you, I'm putting your needs and your desires ahead of mine. And so that's why Jesus said, listen, if you want to deny yourself, you, you, you need to think about um, just serving other people, serving others. Of course, then you deny your own desires mm -hmm. because you, you, know, you, you, you put somebody else's desires. Yeah. Um, As Paul yes. said it this way, preferring one another preferring. in love. So, so that means that's powerful because that's the gospel manifested in how we relate to one another how we love each other, and that's also how the world experiences us. The world doesn't know what to do with people right. who are not in a rat race trying to compete with each other, but people who are trying to lift each other. Yep. And, and it's like Jesus came to demonstrate, since we're talking about supremacy, son of man, son of God, Jesus came to demonstrate something different. The world is about a love for power. Jesus came to demonstrate the power of love. So it's a, it's a whole different operating system. And here's the thing that we have this idea that if I'm going to do it my way, like Sinatra's song, I did it my way. <laughs> we have this, we have, that's not sustainable. What's really interesting is that Jesus, the way of Jesus is the way that is actually sustainable. It leads to human flourishing. It leads to relationships that last, marriages that last, churches that are built to last it leads to economic practices that are that are um that lead to human flourishing it leads to all these things that that release life it's it's like this to take up your cross deny yourself there has to be a death before resurrection life can spring sure. forth and many times as humans we focus on oh the death the denying of self like this is a win-win yes it's difficult at times but there is so much life and so much more that is released in resurrection That's right. than me trying to do things my way. Right. I think many times people don't enter into their um, calling because they find that there's more security in their, in, in their career, not knowing that God can do more with a calling than I can do with a career. And I think that it, it, not to sell, like, I'm not saying like, everyone's going to wind up rich and, and living a soft life. But I'm saying that I would venture to say that there's a whole lot more for me in a calling than a career. Uh, you know, people that live in, in, uh, in the I, me, mind mindset, which is the human humanity. This is like normal human behavior. Me, mine. Okay. So Adam, we had, you have kids. Yeah. I had kids. Uh, it doesn't take long to understand that they're, they're all about themselves. Feed yes. me now. This is my toy. Yeah, yeah. it's mine. I mean, that's, that's son of Adam right oh, yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Adamic nature. Uh, but then Jesus calls us to, uh, the, of course, by the power of the Spirit. Um, and so when, when, when we live like that, and, and, and listen, we're going to be, I'm going to be a little more specific, okay, in a few seconds. Uh, when we live like I, me, mine, you know what kind of life that is? Mediocre. That's a mediocre life. Um, a, 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 a abundant life, okay, abundant life is that, is to live like Jesus did. And how did he live? Again, that he's my guide. 
He's the map that I follow. He's the guide that walks with me. He denied himself. He, he took up his cross. I take up my cross. My cross can be a neighbor. My cross can be a family member. My cross can be my, my job. My job. M my cross can be something in me, in my own flesh. My cross, you know, that I have to deal with. Mm -hmm. And uh, so you take it up. The, cr the cross is an instrument of death, by the way. Yes. It's an instrument of torture. Yeah. Painful, okay. public, slow. So, so you accept it and you carry it with joy. And that means that is actually following Jesus, right? Can yes. I ask a question yes, there? So sure. How do you help someone discern what is their cross in their, in their life? If they're not sure what that is, do you have any, you know, thoughts on that? <laughs> well, I mean, if you have to uh, help someone uh, discern what the, their cross is, Uh, just ask them, what is your life like? What are you struggling with? What are you struggling with? Uh, okay, so let me, let me, this is cool. This is cool. This is, this is, okay, I'm going to share like something that is very liberating. Okay, very liberating. Awesome. Okay. Um, you know, Paul says now, Paul says, because Jesus gave the general principles, you know, this is how you live. And then you have men like Paul who actually took um, Jesus's directives and then yes. they lived them. Yeah. And the, the great, I want to say one thing yeah, about sure. that. The, the greatest commentaries on the gospels are the epistles because Paul is working the yes. gospel into the context of a local community with their struggles and their challenges and their difficulties and their sins. And so that's, that's something important because we always teach the Bible, interprets the Bible. And so the greatest commentaries of the gospel are the epistles. Paul is fleshing it out to a broken group of people. So, so here's Paul, right? I'm going to be very like simple and practical. Paul says, um, I, am, I have been crucified with Christ. Okay, fine. In other words, I'm living, I'm living his life. I'm, crucified with Christ means I am living the life that the crucified one lived. Okay. And here's, how, here's what it meant for him. The life that I now live in the body, I live in in within inside the faith of the son of god of the son of man of the son of god who loved me and gave himself for me okay uh, um here's what he says this is it, this was always liberating to me i live my christian life on two tr parallel tracks in the body in the spirit I don't live in the spirit because I'm not an angel and I'm not, a, I'm, I'm not dead. I'm still alive. <laughs> I don't live just in the body because I, I'm a new creation. So I live parallel lives in the body, in the flesh, every day. Yep. With five senses, five gates, you know, okay. Yep. And then I live in my new, in my new creation, my new man. Okay. So Paul says, listen, I, am, I live my life on two tracks. And here is the deal, right? Um, then he's, he's, he explains a little more. He says, uh, because he said that in the book of Galatians. Galatians was the first book he wrote. Mm -hmm. It's the first book written in the New Testament. Yeah. Not the Gospels, Galatians. All right. So it's it's pretty basic. It's pretty like this is the basis. I'm crucified with Christ. That means that I'm living the life that the crucified one lived. And I live on two tracks. I live in the body. I live in my new creation. Right. But then he says, look, my new creation, my new man delights in the law of God. Delights, enjoys the presence of God, enjoys pleasing God. My new man is like enjoys Christian life. But he goes, but I find that there's a law that is working in my body. Mm -hmm. It's a law of sin. So, so again, 
you know, you, you want to live your crucified life. You want to live, follow Jesus. The, you got to understand you got a body and you got a, and you got a new creation and they, the, your body will not go away. <laughs> oh, and the law of sin will never go away. Now, the, 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 the funny thing is that when Paul talks about sin, right, he talks of sin like a person. Mm. I personally, I call him Mr. Sin. <laughs> Mr. Sin. Nasty boy? <laughs> nasty boy. He's a nasty boy. Yeah. And so here, you, <laughs> oh, you, you guys call him. <laughs> nasty boy. Nasty boy. <laughs> there you go. Okay. And so here, you want to know how it works? It works like this. So both of you are married. Uh, I'm married. So I'm just, and both of you are men. So let's pick on men. Yep. So we walk in uh, into like, especially like at night after work or after we, we walk in and your wife is waiting for you. And she says these words, we got to talk. That's it. Once a, a wife <laughs> says to the husband, we got to talk, watch out because she's going to remind you of something that you promised to do that you didn't do, for example. <laughs> right? Come on. That's like, right? Yep. Universal. Okay. okay. So, uh, so your wife goes like, you've promised to do this and you promised to do that and you didn't do it and blah, 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 blah. You're listening. All of a sudden, Mr. Sin talks to you and says, uh, can I borrow your mouth for a few minutes? <laughs> yeah. Can I borrow your mouth for a few minutes? Yeah, sure. <laughs> and then that's it. You get back and you go like, yeah, but you did right that. Or a man, or and let's be let's be straight about this. A man is looking at something he shouldn't be looking. And Mr. Singh goes like, Can 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 I borrow your eyes for a few minutes? All right, here's the deal. And this is what's liberating. My spirit doesn't want to sin. My new creation does not want to sin. My new creation hates sin. Yep. Because my new creation delights in God. But my old nature is listening to Mr. Sin. It's a law. It's listening. And Paul says, look, this is, this is how we live our life. Number one, Mr. Sin has no authority. It will not lord over you. It will not yep. have dominion over yeah. you. Okay. And so why? Because this is how we live. This is how we this is what we deny. And mm -hmm. we have the authority to deny. We have. Yeah. Come on. Once we understand this dynamic that we live on two tracks. Now, I don't have to I don't have to lend Mr. Sin. That's why Paul says, do not offer, do not present yeah. your members to sin. Don't let him use your members. Yeah. Okay. So it's, it's almost like Mr. Sin wants to borrow my members yeah. for unrighteousness. And then Mr. Sin will accuse me. Yep. What kind of a Christian are you? Yep. What kind of a Christian? You should feel bad. Well, yep. once I understand this dynamic, I mean, I know that that's what helped me. Um, otherwise, if I should still, if I have to strive in the flesh, in my body, oh man, I'll fall apart all the time. I'll give in to all the time. Yes. Yeah, so another way that I would communicate this too in a, in a real simple way is yes. that I, the Christian life really comes down to two things. Denying yourself yes. to that which is sinful, which is destructive, dehumanizing, it leaves you feeling shame, guilt, it, it, it causes you to have less trust, less equity with people, it destroys you it, and it's people very closest to you, right? So it's denying yourself and then applying yourself. So I've got to deny myself to that which is sinful and destructive, and then I have to apply myself to, well, ri offer to righteousness. Well, offer my members to God. Yeah. Who, like, as presenting someone Presenting your body who, as a presenting, living, yeah. Yeah, as, as one that was dead and now, you know, is alive. Um, and so the Christ, this is the Christian life, right? So if we put all these 
concepts together. Um, this is an abundant life because I love it when I, I am able to resist sin. Yeah. I am able to walk away. From, I'm, I, I, I love it. Yeah, I, I can tell you for sure well, I live both ways. Yes. And I'm much rather... Uh-huh. Right, <laughs> I much rather be with Jesus than be Satan's servant and and his doormat. I mean, I'd much rather serve righteousness. Well, in the ministry, in the ministry is very destructive because you, we we have to. How can you how can you speak to other people? For example, how can you teach? How can you and and you know and in your own life, you're not. For example, I have something to say. For example, about worship. And music. Uh, one of the reasons why there's an overabundance of like worship songs and a lack of praise songs. You know, I, I just keep asking my worship team, I want praise. I want high praise. I want high praise. And and they're going like, we, there's, there's not a lot. There's not a lot. And, and it's been it, it always bugged me and the, I know the reason why it's because in their worship songs it's like you show your like I want to mm. I want to I want to praise praise is not I want to praise you got to have a victory in your life in order to praise <laughs> wow <laughs> yeah and also too let me say one thing a lot of this feelings worship that is not Christ centered no. is is like it's me centered it's me centered and it's a lot of it is it is the house of Saul. Ooh. And the reason I say that is because Ooh. for Saul, worship was therapy. Yes. For David, worship was for God. Now, when you worship to God and for God, it is therapeutic. There's no question about that. Yes. But the intention is different. Saul's intention was to use worship to draw people to himself, which is the same thing that we do in church settings. We, we use worship to get people in the church instead of to get the house of the Lord, the people of the Lord, focus on Jesus and get the presence of God in the place. We're trying to get people through the music. That That's not worship. No, but I, I, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm very excited because I, I see like people now waking up and especially, well, the United States is a little bit behind this. <laughs> but I see in the third world, I see like young people uh, rising like like in power and in authority. Mm. Uh, you know, they're surrounded by evil and they're surrounded. It's like very black and white. You don't, you don't wonder, is this bad? Is this God? Is this not? I mean, it's like way out there. Yeah. It's right there for you to see. But I see like um, a, a generation like of thousands of young men and young women that are very serious and um, they, they want to be overcomers mm. and they want to wow. they want to live for Jesus and they even want to die for Jesus. Yeah, that's actually a profound thing I've noticed walking a path of self-denial is that you start learning that you're a powerful person and not a victim. That's the shift right there. Do self-denial. You learn about your authority and power. Yeah. So that's yeah. yeah. So this is really yeah. interesting because yeah. one of that's awesome. One of one of the things that I've I've been thinking about just in the context of our conversation and even prior to our conversation mm. is the question of our life, whether we're talking about worship, preaching, denying ourselves of sin, economics, sexuality, is this: is Jesus going to be preeminent? So the supremacy of Jesus is real, whether you believe it or not. The real question is preeminence. Are we going to give him the position that he deserves in our life? And will his will and his kingdom be manifested in a way that not only is a blessing to others, but causes us to flourish in how he created us to be and what he created us to do? And and here's, I just want to just say just a short thing real quick. Judas is a picture of someone who did not put Jesus and would not put Jesus first. There are two things that Judas puts first. Uh, He's a picture of one taking communion unworthily. Paul writes about that. I was telling Mm. some of our church people that yesterday, uh, Monday, uh, Sunday at the beach, I was saying, if you got a booty call later, 
which is like you plan on having immoral sex before you're married or you're doing something some sinful. I said, if you got a booty call later, do not take communion today because you're playing with judgment. That's the first thing. And I know because I used to be like that. So I, I'm not judging them. <laughs> I used to be wicked. Oh, really? So yeah, oh, okay. yeah, for sure. So I said, don't do not do that, number one. And and so he's a picture of if you if, when you take communion unworthily. That's number one. But he's also a picture of the spirit of mammon. The first thing the guy says in the Gospels is that basically Jesus doesn't deserve this oil that was poured out on him. I mean, that's the first thing he uses his mouth to do is to come against the worth of Jesus. So... Without preaching, just giving you a snapshot, Judas is a picture of someone who wants to be preeminent in their own life, and he also shows us that shame leads to self-destruction and suicide. Adam. It's dehumanizing to put yourself first. It's Adam. Thank you. (laughs) It's the nature. This is what Adam did. This was the original sin. Original sin was not a physical relationships, a carnal relationships between Adam and Eve. Uh, it was it was them saying, um, "We don't need God to tell me what is good and evil. We don't. I don't need God. I'm you, gonna I'm gonna taste it myself. I will de- I will decide what's good and what's evil, right? And God is saying, "Now listen, you don't need to experience. It's like, for example, I remember, I remember my teenage daughters when they were like really trying to figure out how to live a Christian life. They were going like, what is wrong with me to experiencing bad stuff? At least I experience it. At least I know then, you know, yeah. what's, what's wrong. Well, we don't have to. If God says that if God already tells us what's right and what's wrong, I believe him. I believe. Yeah. And so that's not, it's it's not trusting God. It's trusting my own, that's yeah. sin. I, I think that there's a proverb that basically says about greed, that greed takes from the life of the person who has greed. I think it's in Proverbs 1. And it's the same idea of sin. You think that sin is going to add to your life when in reality it's stealing from you. And this is interesting about God. God has no needs. So when God commands me to do something, it's because he wants to add to my life, not take from it. Okay. So the one last thing I want to share about this is that um, uh, the, the blood of Jesus covers my sin, my sin, uh, because sin is what separates me from God, sin. In other words, what is sin? My nature, my sinful nature. So the blood of Jesus, once I'm born again, the blood of Jesus covers my sin so that God doesn't see my sin any longer. Sins is another issue. Sins, plural. Yes, sins. And what is sins? That's why I am encouraged to deny myself and to, to go to the cross. Why? What do I take to the cross? I don't take my sin. That's already under the blood. I take my sins to the cross. And what, what do I do? How do I do it? I confess. For example, I, if God, if the blood of Jesus covers me and has forgiven me, I am a forgiven person. Yeah. So when I sin, then after, here's my sins. I don't ask God to forgive me. I'm already forgiven. I confess. The, the, the worst thing that I can do, the worst thing that I can do is to be covered and not confess. Yep. To be forgiven and not confess. Because that's like really like I'm saying, God, I don't care about what Jesus did. I, I, I'll just live my life as I want to. That's why if I confess my sins, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses me from all unrighteousness. Yeah. People that do that lose their mind. Yes. This They're is, in a struggle yeah, all the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, it can actually lead to a seared conscience. Yes. Which I was, when I, before I was in Christ, I, had, I was on the very brink Ooh. of a seared conscience. I had no remorse for human life. And Ooh. I know that's a dangerous place to be. You don't want to be there. 
because there's a there's a point of no return. I mean, you and I we we dialogued on this. Where is the point of no return? Is I, there? How does it? But it, the scripture God knows. is clear Only about. God knows. Yeah, exactly. We a reprobate mind, a seared conscience, uh, crucifying the Son of God afresh, willfully doing what you know not to do. I mean, th- these are all highly destructive. But one of also the benefits of confessing your sin is it, cl- it it's a it's a it cleanses your conscience. Yes, it imputes what the blood has done and what it has what it's speaking and and that and that's really important because our conscience yes. is like the drawing board of the holy spirit yes. for god to kind of press on us where we you know what god is doing and what he wants us to do and not do and so it's really it's really dangerous and damaging not to confess your sins cuz you're you're really hurting yourself mm. well this is the christian life so this in other hope. words, what you're saying is we don't have to ask for forgiveness again, no, but we're we need to appropriate the forgiveness through confession. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, to confess means homologio, means the same word. Same word. So to confess is like, listen, God knows that I just sinned. So what I'm saying is, God, I know you know, now I know that I sin. I say the same thing you say. I confess. Um, and, and, and that's it. That's all it takes. It's all it takes for that sin to be wiped out and not to be remembered any longer. Just never. It's forgotten. It's as though I never sinned. Right? It's thrown as far as the east is from the west, which means there's no point of reference, which means it's gone. But Satan swims in the sea of forgetfulness. (laughs) So don't jump in there with him. Don't. So, So this whole prayer posture of begging for mercy no. and forgiveness no. that's actually mis- misunderstanding yes yes you know i mean yeah i uh, those of us that have studied and they, you know we know the history of of uh, of thought christian thought we know where that comes from basically that's religion yeah <laughs> that's religion because it's like you think that you in order to deserve god's grace you have to like you know, uh, beat yourself up and cry and weep. Um, you know what? That's not that's not grace. That's not the grace of God. Um, and, and that's what that's why we we when we understand what Jesus did on the cross, then we don't do that. Mm-hmm. We don't do that. Uh, but we live a life of gratefulness and thankfulness and delight in Jesus because we now I understand what He did. I don't have to. Um, beat myself up any longer. Yeah, he took the cross for me. So the truth that he's saying, it, it is in tension with godly sorrow works repentance. So, godly sorrow is something else. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Not not you beating yourself up. No. Godly sorrow is actually empowering the change and the transformation that Jesus paid for. Yeah. So everything that we receive in the kingdom for free, Jesus paid for on the tree. Yeah. So when we have a revelation of the price that he paid, there's a level of gratitude in our life, which then empowers us, grace empowers us to then do what is right, admit when we're wrong, and then move forward in doing things that are pleasing to God, which means then we live in the pleasure of God and then our Christian witness is actually appealing to the world without having to compromise to cater to the world. But the world is like, wow, you have, like, everyone's afraid, you're not. Like, everyone is anxious, you're not. Everyone is um, insecure and in competition, and you're not. So, like, what is it that you have? And it's like, it's Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's Him. Well, I really thank God, like, for example, like, I know, I don't know what your, you know, background is dk but i know his background and i really thank god for um like the example that pastor adam gives lives like because he was a hellion you know he was like yeah and to see to see like what he was and now to see who he is right now only jesus only jesus (laughs) only jesus and godly parents too you know and godly motherhood who prayed you out, out of, of hell that stuff and he <laughs> yeah. prayed you out of hell and into heaven. Amen. Yeah. Thank Amen. You, Lord. Yeah. Yeah. And so we, this is, this is uh, how we live our Christian life. Um, Jesus has to be the center, his life and his life, not only the life that he lived, but the life that I, I now live 
This is very wonderful. The life that I now live, I live in the realm, in the sphere of the faith of Jesus. He's the one that has faith in me. Yes. Think about this. He's the one that looks at us and says, oh, you're going to make it. Oh, you're you're going to survive. Uh, You're having a tough time right now, but it's his faith. It's his faith in us, right? It's very interesting. One of the things that that Paul says is, and it's like, these are the things that we don't understand, but it's, it's in scripture, is that from before the foundations of the world, we were predestined. We were predestined to be conformed to his image, to his icon. This is what God, I love that word predestined because it's like, it's like predestined, it's like we get the word horizon from the word predestined. In other words, horizon is, is like, uh, it's like the ancient people thought that the horizon was the end. Where heaven and earth meet. Yeah, mm-hmm. when heaven and earth meet. And so we have been, there's been a horizon around us some before, you know, when there was no time. We were predestined, we were marked out. That's the word, marked out, because horizon means a marking, like a, like a frontier, like, a, yeah, like, like a border between yeah. countries. What's awesome is like God made a, a decision before we had a choice. Absolutely. And within his sovereignty, there is free choice. It's beautiful. Within his sovereignty, that you know, we we got to do another program on that one. That's beautiful. <laughs> no, it's it's awesome. Like he yeah. loved us and chose us, and yep. still gives us the right to respond. Yes. So I just I just have one uh, one kind of like sure question as it relates to what advice would you say like well as a, as an, a seasoned man you know who's walked with the Lord faithfully for a long time. Mm-hmm. Like, what advice would you give to a young Christian who's struggling or someone who knows better but are having a difficult time? Like, what would you say to them as it relates to the supremacy of Jesus, making him preeminent, putting him first? Like, how would you, how would you frame that if you were speaking to a generation? Um, well, um, first, as far as the, the supremacy and the preeminence of Jesus... Um, I would say to anyone who's struggling, right, that um, that Jesus already predestined and preordained and and and, and predesigned um, your 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 life and all the way to eternity and to eternity without without end. I mean, he is the author and the finisher of our faith. Amen. So whatever you whatever anyone is going through right now uh yeah yeah i mean my problem is that i look at today i look at what's going on with me today if the holy spirit would open up my spiritual eyes and if i were to look into the future i would uh i would not be so depressed and sad about what is going on today because i know one thing guys i don't care how how um how long you've been a believer, if you're mature, half mature, immature, a little bit immature, a lot, whatever. If you're a, a born-again believer, uh, your your life is into his hands. You are living your life in, in the faith of Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of faith. He'll walk you through your whole life until you cross the, right, the, 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 the last line. In other words, we can be confident, not in this our, is confident, not in ourselves, no, but confident in Him. Yes, that He is faithful and that He will finish what He started. So there don't you go. quit. That's the first thing, right? So that that's about Jesus, right? Okay, but it doesn't end there. There's another side. Our side. Our side. Okay, we really have to know who we are. We we have to know who we are in Christ. And I don't mean who we are in Christ, everything that Jesus did for us. No, no, no. We have to know our nature. I have to know how I behave. I have to know about the law that is in my body, sin. I have to know that I'm a born-again Christian. There's another, another nature inside of me. And I have to walk in, you know, not in the flesh. 
but in the spirit. What does that mean not to walk in the flesh? Do not satisfy, do not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. That's it. So the lust will come, the flesh will come. Don't fulfill it. Say no to Mr. Sin. Say no to Mr. Sin. Say no to that nasty boy. Now I like nasty boy better. Nasty boy. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) so that means, that that is good. When, When, you know, I was taught my, by the church and my parents and my grandparents. Uh, I, I wasn't taught this. I was taught about only about the new creation and, and holiness and righteousness. I wasn't taught about the other side, how sin would deal with me and attack me and tempt me. I wasn't. I was told instead of like sin, Mr. Sin, nasty boy, I was told about the devil. The devil. Satan. And but I was not taught about Mr. Sin, I'm a nasty boy. That it lives in my flesh. Interesting. It lives in my flesh. Of course, once you 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 live like this for many years, then you walk into a, a degree of victory because now now he has to really be creative to, to tempt you. <laughs> he has you know, he yeah. has to be really creative. Yes. In short the more you renew your mind, the less tempting temptation is. Yes. That, that's because you're talking about knowing what's going on on the inside of you, knowing scripture, knowing the voice of the spirit so that you can navigate. Yes. You know, is that, is that good? I mean, it's like, yeah. I mean, we're going to talk about this, of, you know, for hours, but basically, you know who Jesus is, but then you have to know who you are and how, how you live your Christian life on earth with reality, you know with uh, nasty stuff around you. Yeah. Uh, today, look, you know, I, I w- my temptations were like different than today. I mean, today we carry temptation in our pocket. Yes. It's called a phone <laughs> or a computer or people that are talking to us. And, um, um, and this is, it's a different, you know, young men and young women today have it really it, it's really difficult. It's really hard. However, <laughs> however, uh, you know, sin will have no dominion over us. Uh, nasty boy, uh-uh. Yep. He, he'll talk to you. Yep. He'll talk to you. He'll scream at you. He'll, he'll like, come uh, loud, soft. He'll do all kinds of things. That is a law that works in your body. That law means that it works anywhere in the universe. Yep. I mean, it's just 24 hours a day. Yeah. And, and here's here's the thing. I just want to just share this. I think that this is freeing as well. The scripture talks about that the law of God yes. is written in the heart of man. Yes. So here's here's the thing where this is to me is very interesting. We live in a culture now that says things like you can't legislate morality, but yet God says, I have put my law in your heart. And, and so that means that within that, there is a desire for believers, for the new creation, to do what is right, which means when you do what's wrong, you don't feel good about it. Nope. That's that's how that's you know right. you're saved. That's like, right. You know, I used to do bad stuff and feel great about it, and yep. then you get saved, and you're like, man, it feels like you're, you know, someone's ripping your eyes out. But you would have loved what you would have, what you were just doing six months ago. And so I think that sometimes we just have to also be sensitive to our our own insides in the sense of like, yes. like what? How do I feel about like what I'm doing. Because sometimes when you don't have peace about something, it's because you shouldn't have peace about what you're doing because it's not right. No. You know? And and so I think that that's awesome. And so just knowing that, that one of the names that the scripture gives Jesus is that he's the bishop of our soul. Yep. He is the overseer of our inner life. Yep. And so we just have to kind of let him be the guide, let his word be the standard, and let his spirit speak to our conscience and go with that. And one 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 comforting word is that he will not leave you. He will not forsake you. Even even if you're struggling. And or even if or crazy. Being, even he will not leave you. He will not forsake you. He'll come after you. He'll follow you. He'll come after you. He'll come after you until like until you see it. And that's you know that's good news that's good news yeah. that he will not it's like i used to think that anytime i i did something wrong or something that jesus couldn't look at me and he would just turn his face no no 
he has compassion. Yeah, I think that whole identity portion is huge. Yeah, right. I think we got to make it more real what God says about us than what everything outside of that says about us. You know, what our friends say about us, what we say about us, what our parents. Like, how do we make what God says in the scripture about us make that more real than everything else? The, 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 the basis of our identity is that we're created in the image and likeness of God. That's the basis. That's the bottom line. Uh, but we, as identities, sorry, we develop our identity with parts of ourselves, like what we like, what we don't like. This is my desire. This is the people I want to hang out with. Um, this is the people that don't like. This is the church that I go to. Uh, this is. Those are little parts of ourselves. But our true identity is that we are, we are, created in the image of God and in likeness, and then that we have that image of Christ. We that image has been developed and formed in our lives. That's my true identity. If I touch you, the icon, think about it. Boom, touch screen. <laughs> something ought to show up. You know, something ought to show up. Uh, there, there's like people that are in different different stages of their development. Not all of us are in the same. And that's why we 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 love each other and we support each other and we comfort each other. Um, and in a church situation, uh, you can have people that are in different stages of their growth. And so we encourage everybody to keep going. Keep going. Yep. Yep. Thanks for listening to Be Transformed. Adam Levecki here. On behalf of DK Kim and I, we want to thank you for listening to the Be Transformed podcast. If you have found this helpful, please subscribe, share, and review the podcast. Thanks again for listening to Be Transformed.